Trek Companion. This is episode 314. I'm your host, Brian Williams. I am Adam Caesar. I'm Stephen Embry. And today we're going to discuss Star Trek Picard's second season, The Stargazer and Penance. Here we go. Star Trek Picard Season 2. Cast includes Patrick Stewart as Jean-Luc Picard, Allison Pill as Agnes Girardi, Jerry Ryan as Seven of Nine, Michelle Hurd as Rafi Musiker, Evan Evagora as Elnor, Orla Brady as Laris, Issa Briones as Soji Asha, and Santiago Cabrera as Cristobal Rios. The Stargazer Season 2, Episode 1. Original release date, March 3rd, 2022. Directed by Doug Arniokoski, written by Akiva Goldsman and Terry Modulus. Guest cast include Whoopi Goldberg as Guinan, John Delancey as Q, Madeline Wise as Yvette Picard, Minik Gunnarotin as Alien Emissary, April Grace as Sally Whitley, and Rich Kirkula Co. as Delton. Retired Admiral, Admiral John Luke Picard rejects the romantic advances of his housekeeper, Laris possibly due to some trauma that Picard hasn't healed. In deep space, USS Stargazer Captain Chris Rios and Dr. Angus Girati investigate an anomaly that broadcasts a request to negotiate entry into the Federation, and only with Picard. When Picard arrives on the Stargazer, a Borg ship emerges from the anomaly and transports their queen onto the bridge. She begins assimilating the entire fleet, prompting Picard to initiate the Stargazer's self-destruct. After the explosion, Picard wakes up in a version of his home and is greeted by Q, who has returned to test him once again. Sorry, some kind of subspace anomaly Starfleet's ordered us to investigate. I could use you on this one. Your, your brain, I mean. Well, that's kind of kind. Course set, Captain. Dali. I think it's so. Mm, the pressure of legacy. It's your own fault, you know. No one told you to accept a command with baggage. All right, Steve, get us going on Picard's second season. All right, so um, after uh, a disappointing conclusion to season one, as we kind of uh, discussed last time, but uh, we have a, a fresh start. Um, we quickly see all our main cast from the first season. Which is, it's a, a year later, I think they said. Yeah, I think something like that. Yeah. And uh, everyone's kind of doing their thing. You know, uh, we, um, of course, I guess it starts with a what's going on kind of thing that we eventually catch up to one of those kind of deals. We go back, see where everyone is. I, I like, um, I like the quiet stuff more i like when we have moments with picard at the vineyard and uh laris and what's going on with him and yeah we're still at this thing with him that's been going on for his you know all of all the time we've known picard essentially is this notion of are you ever gonna you know really take a romantic relationship seriously or or connect with people in that way and so forth so we, we go down that path and then everything gets kind of starts getting pulled together into this whole zoo of things i mean on one hand, I like that we kind of pick up where everybody, where is everybody at. It reminds me of jumping into a, a film off of a TV series where, you know, we have the same characters, but they've made strides and there's progress. I think that's cool. I, I, I do think that without, you know, I, part of it's a, a, a function of the number of episodes we have in a season, and how much time we have with characters. You know, we, we jump in with these characters and, I, and we, I still feel like it's hard to care as much about them as we did in maybe 
past iterations of Trek because of just the lack of time spent with some of these characters, in my opinion. Um, also, when you take these big jumps in time, it feels like every time it, it's like a whole new thing. We're just, let's make a new story, but we're still going to stick the same characters you saw last season in the story. So I felt that a little bit too. But overall, I I, I thought it was entertaining and, a, and, a, and I think it was a, a decent kickoff uh to a new a new tale for a season. I started reading uh, Una McCormick's new book that takes place between seasons one and two. It's mostly a Rafi story that shows how she kind of ended up where this one starts. Um, I, I'm only about halfway in, so I didn't have time to finish it, but it is not nearly as necessary <laughs> to understand season two as her previous Picard book was to understand uh, season one, but it's her writing is great as ever. So if you like the card season two, of course, I recommend picking it up. Adam, your first thoughts on this one? Um, yeah, I have positive feelings about this episode. I'm I'm with Steve. I kind of this episode kind of it's kind of like a slow pace in the beginning, and you know catching up with everybody. I really enjoyed. I think the strongest scenes in this episode are right at the beginning with Picard and Laris. You know. Um, as Steve mentioned, you know, the, there's always been this notion with Picard, he's never been able to get close to people. And this is probably the deepest that they ever dive into that character's, you know, psyche into this. And we still don't get there. And, you know, obviously we've all seen this, the season and that, that's what the crux of this, this season is about is this issue that Picard has. And they, and I think they set it up nicely. It really nicely in this in those opening scenes with Lars. I guess my only complaint about the I don't really think the tease was necessary. I didn't. I don't think we needed to have the you know the sh- we're blowing up the ship and then forty eight hours earlier. I don't. I don't. I don't. I just didn't think that was necessary. I think they could have just gone the whole way and given this literally in time. Um, you know, and it's we, we get um you know the the plot you know the things that move along the plot you know the anomaly. These are. Things that we've seen in Star Trek, specifically, you know, with Q, anomalies, those are all good things. So there's a <clears throat> a circular here thing, but I don't think it's out of line to do it because this is, they're telling, this is the Q season. So um, the things that start to drive the story along, um, they're, you know, they're, they're basic sci-fi premises. But I, I guess I, I enjoyed how they set things up in this episode. I thought they did a good job. That bit, I think it was when the, when the Stargazer first arrives at that spatial anomaly. And they're like, Starfleet Command, we've detected a spatial anomaly. Please advise. The the deleted scene, the next scene, it was Starfleet Command saying, um, like, can you tell us anything else? <laughs> that's, that's the kind of thing where I was like, they just needed to throw in a line. I know because they're doing a scene change. Like, but think about it. That's whatever. I'm not going to complain. Because, yes, I agree with both of you guys. This was, uh, you know, a, a much more solid, well-rounded kind of episode than we've seen for a, a while in this show. I always, I'm always a sucker for getting the band back together kind of stuff. God, I really wish Star Trek Six could have had that opening that it was supposed to have, but they didn't want to spend, <laughs> spend the money. So I, I do like all that kind of stuff. We don't get too deep into the Picard. There's a little bit of Picard little boy crap here but we don't get very deep into it and i if i recall that's something i'm gonna feel like is weak later in the season but but here it's it's barely there so fine and it's kind of acceptable in this right you know they're just setting things up but uh, you know yeah we'll get into that later in the i like season. that i agree i like that scene with laris you know it's quiet and them talking it reminded me a lot of the scene in insurrection remember when she's like did you ever experience a perfect moment in time just taking a moment kind of thing right this is pr- 
probably better done here than that than it was in Insurrections, surprisingly. I do like the character of Laris. Laris? 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 I, I like that actress. I like that she get, gets bumped up in this season. Because that's one of the downsides of the first season is I wanted to, I did want to see more of her just not doing the, you know, silly detective stuff they did early on in the season. But there is, there is a lot to like here. Of course, it's nice to see Guinan. Her bar is like at, the address is like 10 forward lane or something. Something like that. Yeah. I was trying to remember. That's not the address whenever they go back in time, is it? Because that would be stupid. <laughs> it makes sense here after the Enterprise D that they would like rename the street or something, but it wouldn't make sense the other way around. Yeah, I don't remember now. Yeah. Well, as we'll get through this season, we have all sorts of uh, guidance and continuity problems. <laughs> but anyway. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. So I have a question about Los Angeles. Didn't, didn't they say in Voyager that Los Angeles was underwater because of an earthquake or something? What? No, Voyager goes back to. It goes Los back Angeles. to it goes back to Los Angeles, but I thought they made a comment in that episode that Los Angeles in their time was underwater. Due oh, to I don't remember that earthquake, earthquake. Well, even if it's so, they don't go back to Los Angeles. They go back to Los Angeles in twenty twenty four. No, but there's a scene of there's a Los Angeles skyline when um, Picard goes to visit Guinan in the present. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah okay. sorry. I don't remember that. I, I don't know. Voyager. It's just a weird little funny thing that just pops yeah, in my head. I'm like, oh, I thought this was underwater. <laughs> well, it is funny that, um, like, I re- recognized interiors of the Disney Concert Hall in this episode. And then in the next episode, half the episode is the exterior of the Disney Concert Hall, which, if you live in LA, like me, you have been there a million times, you know, for concerts and stuff. It, it's, it's way overshot for. TV shows and movies and even car commercials shoot. They're all like, we want to see the car driving by all the time, but they got a TV budget. So, but this show looks amazing. That I mean, it's, I think that's one thing that we can consistently say that. Well, this isn't directly related to the show's quality, but the Blu-ray and season two is, um, man, there's a ton of band. There's so much banding that it makes me want to think I should go back to the stream to get the HDR, you know, the 10, the 10 bit without the banding, but I, I'm the only person that cares about that. Probably actually, no, there were compression artifacts yet. Yeah, no, the season two Blu-ray does not look as good as season one Blu-ray. Interesting. Yeah. I don't know. Well, I was also going to, I was just going to make a comment out in my notes that um, this season opener is almost like the polar opposite of the, of season one's opener. And I was thinking about that, you know, Picard he gets into that argument with the interview. He seems kind of down and the openings of this one, he's happy. They're, they're planting the season and all the characters are like in a good place. So I was just, it just had that. Yeah, it's nice. It's a, it's a pleasant open. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I almost wish I could have seen it. Not, there's no way they're going to pay John Delancey to be in their season and then not use him in the marketing. But how mm-hmm. cool would it have been if you didn't know he was in the season right. and it ends with him showing up? You would right. be like, holy crap, oh my God, yeah. that would have been amazing, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a little weird, like, this anomaly shows up, it's green. It's this massive green-looking anomaly, and they all speak with this big collective voice. And yet when the board come out of the anomaly, they're like, it's the Borg. What a surprise. <laughs> right, right. How quickly they forget. I'm not sure I particularly like the weird Borg queen in this one. You know, the Borg super queen, whatever she is. Her design. 
I mean, it's kind of interesting that there's little gears or something in her face, maybe, but just the overall design looks a little bit too much like a big black blob. They couldn't give away the reveal, so it's like mm, covered it, up yeah. with something. The first time I saw this, I thought it was a stretch that like Rios was our, a cap already the captain of you know like basically the new Federation flagship, right? They they say this is their new crazy, biz, you know, most modern design and stuff. But I mean, I don't know. I guess I guess it's been a year and. You know, maybe they were. He did, you know, he was the captain of the mission from the previous season. And got probably yeah, but he wasn't a Starfleet time. captain. He went from having been ousted from Starfleet a decade or whatever it was earlier. Did he get ousted or did he quit? I mean, it was well, six of one, half dozen of the other. I wish they'd spend more time um, trying to explain away people aging. I think it was fun with the uh, <laughs> with Guinan and her yeah. excuse, and then the Q. Whatever, you know. You show me for two seconds, like, you know, you remember, just so we don't to de-age you the whole time or something convoluted. It'd be be funny to have a whole show filled with people and they're supposed to not age and then have various excuses for why they didn't, why they did age. (laughs) Well, it it goes back to Stan Lee. He's like, you know, well, how do we explain it? Just a radioactive spider bit of, (laughs) you know. It's the the simplest explanation, quick quick and fast. Well, you know, it is weird. We can't help it. I mean, you think about it. You think about it every time you see him, because that's how into the universe of Star Trek that we are, is that John Delancey is not, he's not John Delancey. You you know, he's Q, and Q doesn't, wouldn't, you know, Q's, the way Q looks to us is simply a representation he chooses to implement when he's in front of humans. So, of course, he wouldn't, you know, age unless he just chose to. Just like Guinan. But yeah, it's similar to Guinan. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I remember the first time I saw it. Minor spoilers, we don't have to talk about huge reveals, but, you know, minor spoilers for, like, the very next couple of episodes or whatever. But I remember thinking it was cool seeing Guinan here, but then maybe not feeling that way when I when she cropped back up. Because it didn't make sense. As a younger person, but yeah. I do remember a year ago when this premiered, you know, as part of the marketing, when they set up the pop-up 10-forward bar in L.A., and I went to that, and that was so cool. I sent Steve his his glass for his uh, housewarming gift for yes, his yes. bar. Thank you. Yeah, so that, that was all part of the marketing for this season. Yeah, and when you went there, they had like they had like street signs that actually said it was um, ten forward lane. Is it weird that we still have com- commercial black breaks? I thought it, it feels just. I mean, this is a dumb little comment. Nobody cares about me, probably, but it feels weird to me. Every time there's like a big musical buildup, and then there's a you know a couple seconds of black. I'm like, you don't have to do this anymore. I mean, which is your which is your primary audience? The audience that's watching the show without commercials, or there's audience that's watching the show with the commercials. Which one is the one you're catering to for you know putting posterity or whatever? It seems like a weird choice, but maybe it's just what writers are used to. They're used to having to ha- hit these. The formula. Yeah, that's probably all it is too. It's fine. It's no big deal. But I, but I'm conscious of it every time it happens. I guess I'm the only one. I like the the scene, just from a nostalgia. Even though we never saw that the the TV, the Stargazer show, as we talked about in a previous episode. I like the scene when Picard arrives and he's walking through the corridors with yeah. uh, Seven, and he's like, "This wasn't exactly my Stargazer, but Stargazer was, you know, my first command." And and all the ensigns or whatever are snapping to attention as they pass by. I, I like that little that scene. That's cool. That's a Starfleet Picardy duty. I, I like it. You know, and Seven, who specifically, clearly, 
in the time since we saw her on Voyager, chose to not lead that life. But she still totally gets it and understands it. Right. Yeah. So I guess Rios gave Seven his ship after all because she did. What was it? She said he owed her a, a ship, right? Or Picard owed her a ship from last season. That's what it was. Right. So I guess she ended up with that ship after all. Rafi and Elnor get assigned to the Excelsior. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's a fun reference. Some, of course, a Star Trek folk were looking at all these signs in the back while they're talking. I don't care what they're talking about. I want to see what, what, what are the names of all the ships. I mean, we hear them reference the Grissom, Star Trek Three, the Hikaru Sulu, which you know they're only going to name a ship after you after you're dead. So, sorry, Sulu. There's the Cisco reference in the next episode. I caught that one. Mm-hmm. I like the little the brief ready room conversation i mean where they're right near the end where they're deciding should we consider you know actually opening diplomacy conversations with the diplomatic conversations with the borg or should we just try to destroy them or something not necessarily any great arguments in that scene or something it's just fun to see a you know picard in the ready room scene before they take action kind of moment like we got in every episode of next gen back in the day all right, what's this episode about? I kind of took from it from early on, you know, and, and this is hindsight's twenty twenty. I, you know, I've seen this whole season before, so I feel like what they're getting the crux of, of this show. It's called Picard. It's about getting to the root of Picard. And um, as I, I was mentioned, Stephen, I mentioned earlier, you know, he's had these issues all throughout his um, whole time as, as as we've seen him as Picard. So it's getting to the root of. To me, it's kind of just getting to the root of your problems. Um, and using, you know, the support of your friends and family to help you get there. Yeah, yeah, I think that um, what's what's kind of interesting is that they, in a sense, he goes to the stars. I don't know. I don't know if you call it escapism, but that's what he feels comfortable with. And yet, here again, we see him confront confronted with a part of his life that he just doesn't want to talk about. And it, by default, he's going to talk about it. He's going to deal with it because of what he's getting ready to face. I think the, so. I think this. I think this is a, a good setup episode for a season. I definitely agree. We're all in agreement. Solid opening to season two. Not a bad episode. All right, let's do six degrees for the stargazer, Steve. Yep. Now, this might be trickier than you think, so you might give yourself an extra second before you answer. Okay. Whoopi Goldberg reprises her role as Guinan. When was the last time we saw Guinan? Uh, the last time we saw Guinan. Just regular old Whoopi Goldberg playing live-action Guinan. Okay. Well, I'm probably forgetting something then. <laughs> Run it in my head. I, I, if she was not in, if she was in something past generations, I'm not remembering it right now. So, your guess is generations. Yeah. No, I'm sorry, Adam. I'm trying to think what. Um, I don't think it wasn't Enterprise. So that's either, that leaves Voyager or Deep Space Nine. And you said live action, so um, I'll just go. I'll go Voyager. Star Trek Nemesis. She was in the wedding. Uh huh. <laughs> Sorry. Damn you, Nemesis! That's how. Uh, that's how much I forgot it is because I actually 
scanned the wedding in Nemesis just now. I mean, I thought <laughs> I, that was a thing. I thought about yeah. it, and I just didn't remember in it. Yeah. Yeah, and so was Wesley, even though that really made no damn sense. Yeah. But, yep, yeah, sorry. I think she has a line about however many times she's been married was enough for her or something. Some joke about that. She's been married a lot. With Jordy, right? She was having a conversation with Jordy. Maybe, yeah. All right. Nobody got that one. Moving on. Penance Season 2, Episode 2. Original release date, March 10th, 2022. Directed by Doug Arniokoski. Teleplay by Akiva Goldsman, Terry Matalas, and Christopher Monfet. Story by Michael Chabon, Akiva Goldsman, Terry Matalas, and Christopher Monfet. Guest cast includes John Delancey as Q, Annie Wershing as Borg Queen, John Brionis as Confederation Magistrate, Tony Belafonte as Zila, Alex Deal as Harvey, Paula Andrea Placido as Palace Soldier, and Hannah Lee Sakikabara as Romulan Rebel. Q tells Picard, we're never too old to be students of our own behavior, and becomes angry with Picard's stubbornness not to change the only thing that really matters. Picard then learns that he and his companions are in an alternate timeline, where humanity has formed the xenophobic Confederation of Earth, systematically eradicating or enslaving alien races, and Picard is the Confederation's greatest and most ruthless military commander. In this penance, as Q describes, he gives Picard a choice to live out the life of a madman or to seek atonement and forgiveness. What is this? This? This is home. And where are the crew of the Stargazer? Oh, how quaint. How provincial. How yesterday's enterprise of you. There is no stargazer. What do you mean? What have you done? Show them a world of their own making and they ask you what you've done. Adam, kick us off on penance. So, um, like the last episode, I think this one starts off really strong. They just We just get right into the, the scenes with John DeLance and Patrick Stewart and... You know, it's it's great. It's great to see them going back and forth again. I mean, there's a lot of things that I loved about Generations. And I think I liked it more the second time around than I did the first. Um, we can get into that if you guys agree more as we go along this, this series. But, I mean, it doesn't disappoint. It's Q doing Q with Picard, you know, um, challenging him. And not telling him what he what he has to do because I mean as we've seen bef- before and, and numerous times th- that Q has done this with Picard to teach him something about himself, um, and that's what he's doing here. He won't tell Picard because Picard has to make the journey to come to the real- realization as, as himself. And the scenes you know and they're setting up you know Q's a little bit more erratic and we get into that later on in the season what's going on with that, but he's angry with him and he's. T- you know, and he's telling him, this is what we're going to do. And um, I, I, like I said, I just really, I enjoyed those scenes to, to start off the episode. Think he goes too far by when he strikes him? No, I don't. I think, I think it works. Um, especially, I, I think the first time I watched it, I wasn't sure. I mean, you know, it's, it, I, I liked it better this time, knowing, having the context of the whole season. Um, but yeah, the only, my complaint, I think, in, uh, about this, where they go, I mean, it's very cute. It's, you know, if you think about the original series, there's these games that he set up for Picard or these life-altering different events where he was trying to teach Picard something. So it's not out of, I don't think it's out of character, out of the writing of the character cue where they go. I mean, you know, they're in this alternate timeline. To me, it just feels too mirror-mirror. I, I kind of 
kind of wish they would have found something else to use <laughs> another world but the good news is we're only in this world for one for one episode i think if they would have continued this like three or four more episodes being in this you know crazy i'm, I'm just going to call it a mirror mirror universe I, I think that would have been too much so them just being in this crazy timeline where humans are savages and they enslave everybody and do all that jazz um I, I, like I said, I kind of wish they would have found another way, but it's, it doesn't kill it for me because they don't stay there. And those were kind of my first thoughts. Steve? Yeah, I, I agree. I think, I think the the weakness is when they dwell too long on something. And maybe I've just grown impatient. But I mean, even the uh, even early on, the stuff with Q and, you know, walking him through his house and the show and all that. And, and there's there's great references, fun references, of course, with Gold Ducat and Martok and Sarek. That's that's fantastic that they make those references. Um, but it, but it does kind of just drag. It's kind of at some point I feel like it's kind of like we get we get it. We get what's happening and what's next. And if they had just completely skipped the he has Romulan slaves and just went straight to the. Yeah, no, you know, we, we get it. Difference. And of course, I get the they're trying to make sus- like a suspense feeling like when they can't get off the world and they're stuck in the whole big execution phase, but it just goes on. But overall, it, it's, it is interesting. I am glad that we don't dwell in this more because we've seen this kind of thing so often at this point. But, uh, you know, it's it's exciting. We're finally getting into what, what's happening here. They have to come together, solve some problems, you know, so there's some action elements we get to see. Elnor kicking some butt, you know, which is fun. Um, yeah. Yeah, even that is like, I think I said negative things in the first season. There was like a couple of fight scenes. I'm like, mm-hmm. this is pointless and boring, and the fight isn't even that good. But here, like that scene with Elnor fighting the security guards kind of near the end when she's like, mm-hmm. all right, you can take him now. Yeah. That's pretty great fight choreography there. It was exciting mm-hmm. to watch. Mm-hmm. Right, right. If you're going to do it, you know, do that. Which is great, right? So you know, it's 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 cool. It's uh, it's almost like another setup episode when you only have ten episodes or whatever it is to deal with. You know, you don't have any setups you need to get into the action, but um, on the most part, it's entertaining. And uh, of course, all this with the Borg Queen, and um, you know, I I think that's that's an interesting dynamic. It is. You do think a little bit like we're doing Borg again. You know, when we had Borg in the first season, you know, it's like Borg has to be present and next gen references, you know, or something. But uh, well, let's. I, I definitely. I want to take a minute to talk about uh, Annie Wershing. Right, right. As we record this, you know, the actress that plays the Borg Queen. As we record this, she died last week, which is very sad because she was awesome. Mm-hmm. I think she's pretty solid as the board queen, but I'm a 24 fanatic. I love 24. I can count on one hand the number of television shows I've watched more than once, you know, and most of them are Star Trek shows, Mm. but I've watched 24 more than once. I love 24. And she was so great in it. She was the only person who could stand up next to Jack like that. It was great. I'm also a, Naughty Dog, Naughty Dog are my favorite video game developers. They're the only game developer who I play every game they make. And she was incredible in um, The Last of Us. She was so great. And it's a long list of all the times she's been awesome. So and she was only 45, so it was you know sad. And I guess this role in Picard Season 2 was one of her last. You know, when they started airing The Last of Us TV show recently, I was like, oh, man, why didn't they bring... Why didn't why didn't they have Wershing play her character? Well, I guess you know I, I know now why she must have been sick all of last year, which is when they would have been shooting that. But she's great. That's a hell of a body of work in like twenty years to know that 
we've all seen multiple things that she was great in, and we're going to be watching her forever. So that's pretty cool. She's introduced here as the board queen. I think she's I think she's pretty solid. You know, she has big shoes to fill. We obviously uh, Alice uh, Krieger from First Contact, and yeah, she did one Voyager episode, right? Of course, you know, she was amazing. And Susanna, who was the other person on Voyager? Thompson, I think. Susanna Thompson, yeah. Mm. She was pretty solid, too. Worshing is is, uh, just as good, but she's got like a... Her queen is supposed to be a defeated one, right? So she is playing this kind of different thing, and she's doing it really well. She, like, I feel a little bit of empathy for her. (laughs) You know, know, these awful humans, and, you know, I do. I I feel sorry for her. Which is pretty great. That's in that's in part of that's her performance. I mean, and they give her. I mean, they give the character a little bit more dynamic depth with the you know being able to see both timelines that are going on at the same time. So it, it gives it a little the character a little bit more depth and a little bit more interest as opposed to just being a yeah more you know, purpose, a, 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 kill, a killing bot. Yeah, yeah. I have a qu- Steve. I had a quick question. So, um, did Patton Oswalt play the the cat yes that was him yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, i wonder why they did that somebody had to somebody had to know somebody or something mm-hmm. i was at universal studios last week to go to the super nintendo world and they have the um like a dark ride of secret life of pets you know he took over for the sequel so he's all over that ride he's, he's pretty funny Yes, I mentioned how it was the Disney Concert Hall. Here it's funny because it's like, oh, well, that's the Disney Concert Hall. So, you know, they probably could have disguised it a little bit better, but that's all right. That's all right. That's the same actor playing the the um, synths as from the first season, right? He looks like yeah, synth. yeah, I believe so. Mm-hmm. That's a kind of fun callback. You know, they didn't mm-hmm. have to get the same dude, and they did, and that's cool. Yep. And they've got him not just in like serving as Picard's valet, but he's you know in the presidential palace or whatever. At the presidential Disney concert hall. <laughs> I'm let that go. I did kind of want like like I wish they would sell some of those those things in Picard's house of like all the weapons with the little name placards and stuff. But yeah, I would buy that. I wouldn't buy the skulls. I'm not sadistic, but I would definitely buy some. You want, you want the painting too? <laughs> I don't know about that, that painting. No, it's a little too dark. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. So you don't think the slap was too far? It's more than a slap. I mean, he's, he strikes Picard, causes Picard to bleed. Picard bleeds for a couple of scenes afterward. I, I don't know. The first time I saw it, it was too much. And this time, I still felt like maybe that was just a little too much. I realized we're trying to show that he's erratic. Mm-hmm. And as Picard quickly sees, Q, you are not well. But at the same time, he's also trying to wake Picard up. You know, Q does these things because he, he's, he puts Picard in these situations most of the time because he because he loves Picard or he has, you know, he has feelings for Picard and, and their relationship and their friendship. And he want, he's trying to help. So he's, you know, if you're trying to help, you don't punch the guy. I don't know. That just seemed like he was going too far. But the, the difference between then and now is that time is limited for Q. So he didn't have time to coddle him or time to, you know, play games with him. I mean, like I said, I, I think I felt like you the first time around. But like I said, with the context of the whole season, it makes more sense. He's never, he's not funny in this season, you know? And there were times when he was fun and funny. And he's just not that here. And, you know, okay, 
that's not the show they want to make. That's not the character they want to examine. See, I, and I think we'll get into that debate, and I'll probably agree with you more than you think, just kind of um, with the season. Like I said, we're not, no spoilers here, but I mean, I, I kind of felt similarly to this season as I did the first season. I mean, I think these first two episodes are solid, and they, they've set up things far better than the first season, but there's kind of a meander. Like the journey, I'm, I think the journey to where they got to in this season could have been better. And I think you, what you're alluding to is like, do they really have to go, go, do they really have to do, have, have, but you know where I'm going, but, but you know where I'm going, right? So I think, I think we'll have that debate and we'll have that discussion throughout the season. I'm like, did they have to take this journey with the characters that they did or could they, would it have been better to go another route? You made a good point because it's like, you know, Q, we don't get the humorous, charming Q in this, in this season. But we saw in season one of this show that they like to bring back characters and do certain, <laughs> certain right. things to them. So I don't think this should be much of a surprise. But, uh, you know, pretty sure most of our listeners have already watched season two. That's one plus side to us. Uh, actually, I was thinking about that. There's two plus sides to us not doing season three live as it airs. One, I don't have to take notes the first time I watch them. <laughs> <laughs> Which I don't. I wouldn't really have wanted to do. And two, our listeners will have seen the whole season right as we start talking about it. And that way we can maybe be a little more open with spoilers and stuff. But Jerry Ryan constantly showing, we've always talked about how great she is. Here she wakes up without her Borg implants. She's suddenly the president. She's great. Yeah. She's given that speech and the way she like is pained over saying the word <laughs> resistance. She's great. She's good. She's so good. She's the, I think Steve, you said it last season that she, she was kind of the biggest coup, you know, the biggest, best, smartest decision this show made is putting her on here. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. She's yeah. very good. And it's amazing the way she fits in and all. She's almost, even though she's not Starfleet, she's almost like more Star Trek to me than any other character on the show. Mm -hmm. Yeah. She was raised on Voyager. She kind of, Look at that way. Yeah, she was raised in a board cube. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying is our human yeah, her humanity. Yeah. yeah. Her second her second um raising, if you will. What is the actress's name that plays Jurati? She's good. You know. <laughs> we can still go back to the first I like how well we didn't mention this in the first episode. They kind of just you know, talking about glossing over things, you know, and then uh, you know, when she was drunk at the bar and she was like, Yeah, and I you know, I was let off after killing my ex-lover. Yeah, I just got off for being insane. All right, well, at least we did. We didn't bring it up, but we we complained they didn't deal with that. But I guess they did between yeah, seasons. Yeah, yeah. But we didn't bring that scene up. You're right. I wanted to ask: Was that the first time we've seen Deltons since Star Trek: The Motion Picture? I don't recall seeing them any other time. Yeah, unless they were. It was yeah, supposed to be a Delton walking in the background or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah she's good. She's funny. And th this episode, she has that whole scene when she like spins about. Uh, I thought the board queen said she was had a plot with Romulans or something, whatever. She's spinning yeah. to the first husband, and she's funny in that scene. Yeah, <laughs> have fun with the execution or whatever she says. Yeah. Yeah. That awkward humor. I mean, they, they haven't really given Rios too much to do to, to do yet, you know, other than being captain of the Stargazer. So, but I, we get into that later. Yeah, he's going to have stuff to do. I'm not sure how I feel about his stuff to do, but we're going to get there. All right, what is this episode about? Well, obviously, there's a theme here. I'm like, I'm going to be repeating myself from the first episode. There, you know, they're setting up this this journey that Picard's going to take. It's an inward journey, but obviously, it's Star Trek. And we have to have an adventure and you know, fighting and time travel. But um, this is what this is an inner journey uh, for Picard, and that's what they're still setting up here. 
all the other characters, I guess all the other characters too. I mean, we'll get into like what their journey is on, on this trip. You know, and obviously that they do a lot of good character development or do, we'll find out if they do a lot of good character development in the series, but that's kind of what I took from it. We are two for two with Spock references. The first episode, <laughs> Picard gives Elnora Spock, Spock's memoirs. And in this episode, they talk about uh, mm. Spock performing the calculations for time warp. It can't hurt. Why don't they just try to squeak it in there every time? Every time. Every time. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know that I really have any definitive thing for what they're trying to do. I mean, I think it's, it's, there's, it's like two, I mean, I think it's fine. It's just like another setup, but it's really hard to talk about what it's something it's trying to say. That's any different than the setup of the rest, you know, but it's, it's hard. And these two episodes are are very connected. I mean, you, you know, if it was, these were the old days, this would be a two-parter. I mean, Obviously, we get the cliffhanger right at the end of well, this. These were the old episode. days. This this entire season would have been a one parter, right? The way it <laughs> opens, you know, like cause and effect or something. <laughs> Think about the beginning of the previous episode. Uh, but no, I mean, like you know, we we haven't said this sort of thing in a while, but we used to say a lot on this podcast, or at least I did. The better episodes tend to be the ones that are about something, and if you fill it too much with action and plotty stuff, and not enough being about something, being about your characters and stuff, then it maybe isn't one of the better ones. Today, whether you liked what it was about or not, the first episode was clearly bringing up issues with that Picard has with you know, commitment, and um, uh, this episode maybe doesn't spend any time, so much time talking about stuff like that, so big shock it's not quite as enjoyable to watch as the first one you just get a punch in the nose uh, i'll tell you what i'll give you this brian i don't think the blood was necessary they could have just had the strike without the the dribble blood down his lip for that for like two scenes afterwards it's yeah like, two you know, scenes you know, like you know wipe your nose buddy <laughs> that you know you're right that probably would have that could have been enough and then if picard didn't look like he was all that hurt like if it was more of a slap adam let's do six degrees all right. For penance. Annie Wershing plays the Borg Queen. She last played in Star Trek Liana in the Enterprise first season episode Oasis. That was her TV debut, by the way, 20 years ago. Liana's father in that episode, Ezral, was played by what? DS9 regular. This is Star Trek. Actually, no, the first season, it wasn't called Star Trek Enterprise. It was just called Enterprise. Uh, but it was the episode Oasis. Oasis. She played Luana, Liana, who played her father, Ezreal. DS9 regular. Fudge. I can't picture the face. So go ahead, Steve. I'll just waste another 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. I, get I, it wrong. I, I don't recall either. Guess a DS9 regular. Uh, regular like a main cast member or just yeah. a regular? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, look, you got hints here. You know it's a you know it's uh male. And they said it's like her father. You know it's a DS9 main cast member. You know it's probably not Avery Brooks, or we remember <laughs> that. Uh Renee Abergenois. Yes, sir, it was Renee Abergenois. Very good. All right, see Steve wins for the day. <laughs> All right, we're in season two of Picard. This episode is gonna go up a week, one week before. Card season three airs. So by the time we have our next episode, presumably we on this podcast at least will have seen the first episode of season three. So that's very exciting. Uh, sounds like we got even more confirmation I've, now that we're going to get the next gen 4K Blu rays in April. Mm-hmm. So that's exciting. So yeah, 
All right, we're in season two, man. All right. You can send us an email, trekcompanion at gmail.com. Our Twitter handle is at trekcompanion. We're going to be back in two weeks to discuss the next two episodes of Picard's second season. Thank you so much for spending an hour with us. And until next time, take it easy. Bye, guys. See ya. I passed it.